thanks again so much for being with us today. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill, and you have joined us on the last Sunday before it all hits, before it all becomes real, the last Sunday before Christmas. And we've been in a series here called Given, and we've been talking about the fact, and many of us understand this implicitly, that Jesus came to earth. He was given for us, but that that also transforms how we then give ourselves to the people and to the world that's around us. You know, one of my favorite things about the Christmas season is the movies that come with the Christmas season. We all have favorite movies. You know, in our house, we love uh, Christmas Vacation. We love Elf. There's a few others we love, and there's some that you probably love as well. And one of the movies or one of the things that we watch kind of as a, as a Christmas tradition uh, every year is the Charlie Brown Christmas Special. And I was actually reminded of that recently, and I went back and I watched it, and it's this, this interesting story because you discover that the main character, Charlie Brown, is the, he's struggling with the things that I think we all struggle with when it comes to Christmas. What does it really mean? What's the true meaning of Christmas in a world where commercialism, where a lot of other things seem like they try to crowd into that? And we watch Charlie Brown struggle through this, but he does it most of the time alone. And it gets to the end, and the character of Linus kind of does this famous thing where he, uh, he says, uh, Charlie finally asks what the question is. What is this really all about? And Linus quotes part of the Christmas story. It's one of the great traditions that you know, even if you've watched it a million times, you still do it again, even if nothing else for the music that comes uh, with that experience. But it got me thinking as I was considering that, that there's something that I've discovered uh, in our world and in the people and the relationships around us, especially here in New Jersey and in this very fast-paced tightly packed, there's a lot of people everywhere kind of world uh, that we live in. You only need to go out and try to go to the mall and you discover how many people uh, live uh, in this area of the Northeast. And it's this, that in the midst of all of that, there's this profound sense of aloneness very often with people, a profound sense of loneliness even. But just the sense that even in the midst of all of the people and all of the activity and all of the hustle and all of the bustle, there are many, many people uh, who feel alone. They feel lonely. People keep to themselves quite a bit where we live. And it may not be on the surface. I mean, the conversations happen, but they're surface-level conversations. <coughs> Excuse me. And we discover that when things go deeper, that there's not a lot of that that happens because we are a very guarded kind of people. And it's ironic because literally, as I said, there are more people here than there are many other places. But very often we discover there's no connection with each other. No one knows, no one understands. And one of the things that we don't do well where we live is nobody is really allowed to show Weakness. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, that showing weakness in vulnerability in the world around us is seen as a sign of weakness and not really the sign of strength that it is. And so as a result of that, there's a lot of people that end up carrying a lot of things by themselves. They carry the weight of their circumstances, of their questions, of their struggles, of their isolation, and they carry all of that by themselves. And this is utterly exhausting. And there's no time like Christmas to remind many of us of all of the realities of what that looks like. And I actually am going to have to take a sip of water here. 
And here's what I think is absolutely true. And we've kind of been talking about this for a few weeks. The church, whether it's Long Hill Chapel or any other church, but something that the people of God and the community of faith should always do is we should speak prophetically and we should speak powerfully against this ironic set of circumstances that in the midst of all of this activity, all of these possibilities and all of these people, that there's this sense of aloneness, the sense of loneliness and the sense of isolation. And we talked a little bit about that in our series. We've talked about the fact that at Christmas time, what we really do is we embrace the power and the presence of Jesus. That really Jesus come at Christmas is presence of God that has not been withheld. We talked a little bit about that last week. That it's really God doing what God always does in pursuing people and pursuing relationship with people and pursuing presence with us whether we deserve it <coughs> or not. But there's another thing that happens as well. And it's we are given the opportunity to become present with other people. That really as people who follow Jesus, as a church, as a community of faith, that is one of the most important things that we can do, is to pursue the same kind of presence with others that God pursued with us. To give of ourselves. There's a word that we use a lot this time of year called the word incarnation. And it literally means in the flesh. And it's talking about this idea that any relationship, anytime we show up, we cannot do that from a distance. We cannot phone it in. We have to actually be present. We have to be in proximity. But there's a third thing as well. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. Is that in the midst of that presence, we are given the opportunity to share the gifts of our lives, the gifts that we now give. And those gifts, some of which seem obvious, but there are many others which are much less obvious, and that's really what I want to talk about today. Because as we talked about last week, Christmas always has the gifts that we think we want. It's the gifts that we want to receive and the ones we want to be seen giving. But then there's the gifts, the less glamorous gifts, and sometimes even the opposite of that, the gifts that we would rather not think about, that there are ones that we actually need. You know, and that's true with our lives in so many ways. There's parts and there's things that we love to share, we love to show, we love to talk about, we love other people to see, but then there's the things around us that are really what the other people around us really need, and we're tempted sometimes to withhold those things for different reasons. And oftentimes, the things that matter the most are the things that we would least expect. So what if this year, what if, when we came to Christmas, and what if even after Christmas, we not only received and celebrated the presence of Jesus, come to earth in the form of a baby, but come to change the nature of the relationship that we have with God. And we chose to give that gift of presence to other people, even when they don't deserve it, and even when they couldn't deserve it, but then we share the gifts that are our lives, even sometimes if those gifts are different than we'd expect. You know what I've discovered uh, personally in my, my work in, as a pastor in ministry is sometimes when I'm able to share something of my background and my story, it connects uniquely with very specific people. 
know, I was recently having lunch with somebody and we were both sharing parts of our stories and we discovered that we had had some of the same exact kind of challenges and struggles in our families growing up and it allowed us to encourage each other and give the gift of our lives and experience to each other in a way that I couldn't have done with someone else and maybe you couldn't have done with that person. But because of the unique thing that God had brought together in that moment, the sharing of those things changed everything. Sharing just those fragments of my experience. Imagine if we all did that. Imagine if that was the gift that we had been given for each other. And you know, I know that I'm not the only one. Today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture which is not one of the typical Christmas passages of Scripture, not one of the sets of verses. The past few weeks we've been looking at some things that are pretty familiar territory. But this is one that occurs later on after the events of the Christmas story. The early church has gotten its start. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to figure out how do we live with each other? How do we coexist with each other in a healthy way? And there was a writer by the name of Paul. He was one of the early leaders of the church. Uh, He was an apostle. He came to Jesus through some incredibly uh, extraordinary circumstances. And he went from being someone who persecuted the church and assailed the church to one of its early leaders. So it was like this 180 degree turn of events. And he's, what he would do is he would write letters uh, to early churches. He'd encourage them. He'd correct them. Sometimes he'd confront them. And he was writing to a, a church in the place called Corinth. And it was the second letter he'd written to them. And so we know it as Second Corinthians. And he begins this letter, and the letter gets really, really interesting and intense because there's a lot going on. The church is experiencing some suffering. There's some issues of sin and wrongdoing and conflict. But he starts out by working it out and kind of coming back to what is our purpose of being together? Why has God placed us together on this earth? Why are we not just called to live life in our own lane in the isolation and the aloneness that is so easy for us to do? And so he begins talking about that. And we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. And he says this, and he starts out like he very often does, giving glory to God. And he says, praise to be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. And he doesn't just do it so that we can feel better, because he goes on and kind of explains why. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And so we discover that God does something in us. He comforts us. You know, one of the early prophecies that talked about Jesus coming to earth as the Messiah back in Isaiah chapter 40, and it's a famous passage of Scripture. It says, comfort now my people. It talks about the fact that the ancient people were experiencing distress and persecution and suffering. And one of the things that Jesus had come to do was to bring comfort to those people. But we discover it's not just so they can feel better but it's actually for a greater purpose than that. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting at Christmas is the gift that a lot of people want but nobody really asks for is comfort. 
If you look at all of the advertising, the TV ads uh, that are around Christmas and celebrating the holidays and joy and hope and peace and love and all of the things that we talk about Christmas being, at the bottom of them very often is this idea of comfort. It's this idea of finding a place where you can relax, where you can exhale, that feels like home, that's comfortable. There's always hot cocoa. There's always a fire that is roaring while the snow comes down. There's always family and friends and loved ones that are close, the people you would want around you when you let down your guard. And so at the very bottom of this idea that we all project onto Christmas is this idea of comfort. And for some of us, it's to meet the sense of emptiness or or the things that feel like they're missing when it comes to Christmas, the empty chairs at the tables, the, the experiences of the past that are now long gone, even some of the things we wish that had happened or that we wish we had that we don't have that it seems like other people do have, the stress that we all feel, the expectations, and even the struggle that some of us feel at this time of year. And so what we're really looking for is we're looking for something that removes the burden, that allows us to exhale, that allows us to experience comfort. And we discover that Jesus came not only to comfort the ancient people, but one of the reasons he has come to us is to bring us to a place where we can release our burdens, where we can find comfort. But he doesn't just do it so that we can feel better. Because what the Apostle Paul says is, the things that you have been brought comfort in are the same things that you can then do that for others. Just like when I share my story and I discover that I have something in common with someone else who's been through circumstances or maybe they're facing them at the present moment. And I have the ability to offer not only encouragement, but presence. Not only you can do it, not only it's going to get better, not only just these these vain platitudes that we do, but something that looks a lot more like, you know what, I've been where you are, or even I am where you are, and you're not alone. Because this thing that happens when we encounter suffering, or we encounter struggle, or we encounter difficulty, or any of the other things that we do, is it has this tendency to do what happens so naturally in the world around us. It has this ability to isolate us, to make us feel like we're alone to make us feel like we're the only ones, even when there's so many people and so many other things going on in the world around us to feel like we are all alone. You know, one of the things, and you've kind of discovered probably uh, that I'm recovering actually from a stomach bug and a little bit of a cold this week that I got from my, my children, is when we're suffering, we turn inward. Even if it's something like that, when we're suffering physically, we want to get away from people. I love my family so dearly, but when I wasn't feeling so good earlier in the week, the last thing I wanted is for my kids to be jumping all over me. And I adore my children. But there's this thing that happens when we're experiencing struggle. And it can be physical struggle, it can be emotional struggle, it can even be spiritual struggle. Is that we tend to isolate ourselves and we tend to turn ourselves inward. And what happens when we do that is we begin to spiral away 
from letting our burdens go. We hold on to them tighter. But here's one of the things that happens in our lives is we know, and the scriptures even say this, that we will have trouble. We'll have big ones, we'll have small ones. And what happens in our culture is we are taught this idea that if we're experiencing suffering, if we're experiencing trouble, if we're experiencing discomfort in our lives, that something is wrong, that we're doing something wrong, that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. And what happens is we subtly begin to believe when that happens that we aren't normal and that something has gone wrong and we isolate ourselves even further. But what we see in the passage here that the Apostle Paul is talking about is the ultimate source of comfort. It's not eating more cookies. It's not drinking more eggnog. It's not turning the Christmas music up louder. Those are all great things to do. But we discover the ultimate source of comfort is God. God is described by the writer here as the God of all comfort. And he's not only the one who possesses it, he's the one who gives it. He's the one who gives it to us. But it's given to us not only to relieve us, but also so that we can give it to other people around us. Because what happens so often is when we turn inward, when we isolate ourselves, we cut ourselves off from actually one of the things that God uses not only to bring peace to us, but also to other people around us. He has called us to be the ones who engage with each other and do that in so many ways because we don't find the answers inside of ourselves. We don't find the answers by turning within. That's one of the dominant themes that we hear over and over in the world around that you just have to find your truth, that you have to find what's inside of you. You have to get connected to that. We discover that God is the source of that. He's the one who breaks the power of the past of sin. He's the one who brings comfort at every level, and he does it by his power, and he does it by his presence. Here's what I want you to understand, folks. If you're going to find freedom and healing in your life, it is going to be deeply rooted in Jesus. Therapy is a tool, medicine is a tool, counseling is a tool, relationships are a tool, better habits and better practices are tools, but they are means and not an end. You're going to find the ultimate healing rooted in Jesus, the God of all comfort. But then there's something else that happens because we discovered that the power of God is the beginning of it for us, but living in the way that Jesus lived among us is how we begin to multiply that into the lives of other people. Because Jesus came for us, but he also came so that we would be the ambassadors of everything that he was and everything that he meant. Because when we embrace what the life of Christ, living like Jesus, means, we discover that it's serving and it's doing what Jesus did for us, but doing it for other people. You know, there's that word we talked about a little bit earlier, the word incarnate. It literally means in the flesh. You can kind of look at the two words there and you discover what it means. It's in the flesh. It's showing up in presence. The definition really looks something like this. It means to embody or to represent in human form, to put an idea or concept into concrete form, be the living embodiment 
of equality. And so what we discover is Jesus came to be this for us, but now we're called to do this for others. As we abide in Jesus, the Apostle Paul in verse five, he says this, for as just as we abundantly share in the sufferings of Christ, we also, our comfort abounds through Christ, but then it begins to flow outward into the world around us. Henri Nouwen was one of the great philosophers and kind of mystics uh, of the Christian faith, and he wrote something that I think is so key for us to understand this. He says this, he says, the emptiness of the past and the emptiness of the future can never be filled with words, but only by the presence of a human being, of someone who shows up, of someone who becomes incarnate. The world around us is looking for the answer, but the answer isn't more information. We have more information as a society and as a culture than we have ever had before. And loneliness, aloneness, isolation is never higher than it's been at the moment. What we discover is becoming incarnate, being who Jesus was, stepping into the midst is how this begins to change. Because at Christmas, Jesus came down. He came down from heaven. He took on a form that was familiar, that was understandable to us, a human form. But he did more than that. He came close. He came down and he came close. He showed up. And he does that for you and I this Christmas, but the way we begin to live and even the way we realize the fullness of the comfort that God has come to be in our lives is when we begin to do that for other people. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to the airport. We go back to airports now, so maybe more of you have done that. And I don't know if you've ever gone down the stairs to the baggage claim. I do this at Newark Airport a lot when I fly in. And you go down, and at the bottom of the stairs, there's this whole sea of people, many of them holding signs. And some of them are, you know, they're, 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 they're car service people or cab drivers or limousine operators who are looking for the person they're supposed to pick up and take somewhere. But sometimes it's family members. And sometimes it's friends. And you know, one of my favorite things to do when I'm people watching at the airport is to watch the eyes of a person coming down the stairs who's searching for something familiar. They're looking for a name or they're looking for a card that has their name on it or they're looking for a face that they recognize. And maybe you've done this too, but there's this moment when they, the eyes lock, when, when recognition happens, when a connection happens is made, the faces light up, and they draw towards each other, and there's this moment of reunion or embrace, or at least this moment of greeting and familiarity, and it's just one of my favorite things, and it's really saying this very simply, I recognize you, because one of the best feelings when you're in a strange place, or even if you're in a strange or foreign country where you don't know the language and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do next is when you discover someone who's holding a sign with your name on it. Here's what happens when you show up in the life of someone else, when you incarnate, when you do what Jesus did, when you reach out and live a life that comforts others with the same comfort that you have received in your circumstances. You show up 
with a sign with a person's name on it. It gives them a clear destination, and it gives them the companionship of somebody who knows the way. And what often happens in the airport is the bags that that person would otherwise be carrying alone, they are now carrying together. And there's no more perfect picture of how we are called to live our lives, to reflect who Jesus came to be for us, this thing that we celebrate at Christmas, but now who we get to live as people, as a people of faith and as a church, is the one who holds the signs and then helps to carry the baggage, helps to carry the load. You know, when we look around our world and we look at the circumstances that I talked about as we began, that in the area where we live, there are a lot of people, but there's also a lot of loneliness and isolation and even depression and sometimes worse than that. What that is, is that's people who have given up because at some level, they truly believe that there is no one waiting for them who's holding a sign with their name on it. There's nobody who understands There's nobody who's walking through that circumstance or that scenario. There's nobody who has that struggle that's safe to talk to. There's nobody who asks those kind of questions. And when we hold up the sign of our lives, and this isn't just like airing our dirty laundry, that's not what I'm talking about, but talking about the gifts that we've been given in our lives with the circumstances, with the experiences, with the stories, even with the struggles, but also with the good news that Jesus showed up in the midst of those places for us, and therefore we now have the power to show up in those same places with other people. When we do that, we are holding up a sign that says, I see you, I recognize you, I know where you've been, and I know where you're going, and I know the way, and I can help to carry the weight. I can help to carry the baggage as we go along the way. You know, recognition, it only needs a second to be born. And that second, that split second where your eyes connect with the other person who's holding the sign that bears your name, it travels such a distance in such a hurry. It makes up for years and months and days of isolation and aloneness. It's powerful. See what the Apostle Paul says in verse six. He says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you the patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our comfort. And so we see something that's a little bit awkward and difficult for us to embrace here. It's this idea that maybe some of the things you and I have experienced in our lives that have been difficult have not been about us or even necessarily for us, but because of what God wants to do in the life of someone else through us. So some of the things we have experienced, that we have walked through, that God has been present in the midst of with us, but that have been difficult, have been placed there so that we can be that for other people. But as we see in that last verse, so that we can be that together for each other. 
And what he's basically saying is your stuff, the stuff of your life, the gifts of your life that you love to share and the ones that you wish you had never received have been given to you to share for others. Listen to what Henry Nouwen says when he talks about this. He says, none of us can help anyone without becoming involved, without entering with our whole person into the painful situation, without taking the risk of becoming hurt wounded or even destroyed in the process. And so what he's saying is there's no way we will have an impact in the lives of other people, let alone a God-sized impact because of the power that Jesus has placed in our lives unless we are willing to not only be present like we talked about last week, but to give the gifts of our lives and share them with others. So how do you do this thing that he's talking about? How do you become involved? Well, how do you do it at the airport? You write a name on a sign and you show up and you do something that we talk about a lot at this Advent season that we're in. You wait. You wait. You show up, your presence, and you wait. And your waiting's a big deal for us because we do not do this well. It's when we come to a stop and when we wait in the lives of other people. We position ourselves in proximity to other people's lives, and then we wait. You know, it's not just moving in, it's not just moving out, it's not just speaking before recognition happens, it's when we wait, and what we do is we show up, and then God sets the timing, and God sets the agenda. And it means that we're out of control, but it means that we are now able to give the gift of our lives with open hands. So here's a question for you. As you look at your life and your experiences and all the places you've been and all that you've seen and all that you've done, what is your sign? What is the sign that God would have you hold up? The sign where you're not just airing your laundry, but you're saying, this has been my story. This has been what I've experienced, but this is how God has been with me in the midst of it. And this is now the gift that I've been given to share with others. You know, many of us, we would love to have a different sign to hold up. When we look at the events of our lives, our years, our circumstances, our struggles, We wish we had a different sign that had maybe a better name on it. But the sign you have been given, as we've learned from the passage we've studied today, has been given to you so that you can give it to others. And so maybe the thing that will make the most impact in the lives of the people around you and in the world around you, it's not your resources, it's not your strength, It's not your influence, it's not your talent, but it's the story of your life. And maybe even the parts of that story and that experience that you just wish that you had not received. Perhaps that's what God wants to use the most. Because here's what can happen. Some of you, you look at that thing and it feels like a label. It feels like the word failure or the word unacceptable or weakness. Jesus can turn that label 
into a beacon. He can turn that thing that feels like it has marked you, that it has defined you, that it has even branded you. Maybe it makes you feel like you're damaged goods. He is the one who can turn that into a beacon of hope for other people. Don't short circuit what God wants to do in those things. Lean into Jesus. Lean into the healing that he offers, but then share the gift of your life with other people as you are present with them. This is the gift that you now give. Maybe not the one you want, but the one that matters the most. Maybe not the one you ask for, but the one that the other people around you, you don't even know it, but they need it the most. I was talking with Joey, our our worship leader here this week, and he shared a quote with me that goes like this. The scars that you share become lighthouses for other people who are headed to the same rocks that you hit. The things that we've experienced, whether they were something that we intended to or not, just whatever came into our life, they are the things that now become the beacons of hope for others around us. They are the gift that we now give. And so this Christmas, we embrace the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives, realizing that Jesus wasn't just content to remain at a distance. God just didn't stay up in heaven with all of his power and all of his might. He realized the same thing that we realize that coming close changes everything. And so that's why Jesus came, and that's why we celebrate this season. But then we are called to be present, to give the gift of presence, not withheld, to others around us. And that is the most important thing we can give without holding back. But then to share the gifts of our lives, to hold up the sign that is a sign of recognition to someone else, that they lock eyes and immediately a bond is formed. And then we walk with them and we help to carry the load. And that is maybe the best gift that you and I can give this Christmas. That is the gift that God has given to us. Maybe not the one we wanted, but the one that we have that he will do incredible work with if we will just give it away to others. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you came in a form. You came as Jesus in a form that we understood. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort that there is no circumstance, there is no struggle, there is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no past wound or present circumstance that we cannot give to you and receive comfort from you. But as we've learned today, as we've seen in your word today, you've also brought those things into our lives so that we can give the gift of our presence and the gift of how we have seen you at work away to other people. I pray this year, in a year where we're always tempted to try to outdo and one-up and do more than the people around us and do more than we did last year, that maybe the things we need to give away are the things we don't even think are that important. They're the places you've worked. They're the stories in which you've been faithful. They're the struggles we've faced but the places you have brought us by your grace this far. Help us hold up a sign for the other people 
that you would have us walk through life with? Would we as a church be a church that is known for this, that is known for sharing the glory and the power of Jesus who came and changed everything, but what that's looked like for us even in our weakness, even in our struggle, and even in our difficulty so that others would know that they are not alone. And not only your presence is with them, but our presence is with them too. We thank you that you came and that you come, but we also thank you for the opportunity we have to now be the ones who share that same gift with others, the gift that we now give. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.